Let us continue our worship in the Word of God. Uh, Turn with with me to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verse 16 through 18. I mean, yeah, verse 16 through 18. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. Last week, as we celebrated Petra's 28th anniversary, uh, we were challenged to examine the status of our faith and recalibrate our hearts to continue building this church together for God's glory. Today, I want us to revisit our vision as a congregation to be faithful in building this community as the church that God wants us to be. You see, the vision has the utmost importance because it tells us why we are here and doing what we are doing here in this place. Perhaps some of you might not even know our vision as a church. Well, I think it's a good time for us to be reminded of our vision. If you ever know, our vision, Petra vision, is this. Becoming a spirit and truth-filled, Christ-centered, apostolic church. And that is our vision statement. What does it mean, being a spirit-and-truth-filled, spirit Christ-centered, apostolic church. Well, let us expound on our vision. There are five major things that we want to be as a church. First, we want to be a church. We want to be a biblical church. When we say Holy Spirit and truth-filled, apostolic church, we want to be a biblical church, meaning we want to be the church that follows the Bible. That's how simple it is. And we want to follow the the biblical principles. And if you look at the example of the very first church in the very first century in the book of Acts, you will see the great power of God being demonstrated through through the church. After Jesus ascended into heaven, the apostles of Christ started the church with such a great explosion of the power of the Holy Spirit, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, praying in tongues, casting out demons, and teaching the doctrines, sound doctrine, and changing people's lives. That was happening in the very first century when the church was born. And we can see such a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter describes this in today's text. What did he say? He says, in the last days, God will pour out his Spirit on God's people. And that's what they have witnessed in the very first church, according to the Bible. 
Now, as a church, in 21st century church, Petra, we must be the imitator of the early church in the first century in the Bible. And I really believe that is something we need to really think about. That's what it means by being a biblical church. And the promise of God through the prophet Joel, as we read today's text, is not just for them in the first century, and I really believe it is for all the churches in all the ages, especially in the 21st century church, as we are preparing for the second coming of the Lord. We want to be the church that is filled with God's word and follows God's word, honors God's word. We want to be the church that follows the biblical mandate, biblical principles. We want to be a biblical church. Amen? Very important. Secondly, we want to be a mission-focused church or missional church. This was one of the characteristics of the apostolic church. And since the year 2006, we have been focusing on the missions heavily. And we will continually to do so. I know especially for the last three years or two and a half years, and because of COVID, we weren't able to participate in the missional activities as much. But the time has come that we need to be reminded of our missions, our, uh, the, the, the calling, and we need to be faithful to continue. Amen? And we want to actively reach out to family and friends and communities and to the global world as well. We want to be missional. When I say it's a missional, it does not mean that we need to go overseas all the time. It can start with our communities around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members, our friends who do not know Jesus Christ, and especially our communities in, our, uh, in Chicagoland. So clearly, there is a reason for us to become the church that is missional. And... I really believe that we need to be faithful in what we are doing. We need to be a missional church. Amen? That's the second thing as we can think about. Thirdly, we want to be a church, but awakened church. The church that discerns the time. Understanding what's happening around us. I'm not just saying, you know, uh, from the perspective of current affairs. I know that a lot of people nowadays, they are, uh, we, are, we have this technology where we can get all kinds of different information, data, and news. And sometimes, a lot of them, not sometimes, I think a lot of them, we are receiving all the junks of the world <laughs> through internet, through media. However, we need to be uh, sound people of God who discerns the time. I'm not saying we should know all the current affairs and what is happening globally through the news and through the media. No, I'm talking about biblically. We need to understand what kind of age, what kind of world that we are living in today so that we can be faithful to be God's people. Prophet, I mean, the book of Acts says, in the last days, in the prophecy of Joel, it says, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit. And we know, uh, according to the scripture, we are living in the last days. Basically, after Jesus, 
on between the Jesus' ascension and second, second uh, return, we are living in the last days. I know it's a long period of time, it seems. But surely we are living now as we discern what is happening according to Matthew chapter 24, according to the book of Revelations, and through the scripture, we can clearly see that we are living in the last of the last days. Right? And we know that Christ is coming soon. And I've been preaching about that here and there. But I really want us to be awakened. Uh, and to, to discern the times biblically, scripturally, so that we can prepare for the second coming of the Lord by being faithful to our identity as God's people, also by being faithful to do the ministry of the gospel, sharing the message of Christ to the world. And I think that's very important. I'm not saying we should be awakened and discerned politically, ideologically. No, I think we need to be awakened and discerned biblically as God's people, waiting for God, Jesus to come back. No one knows the exact time or date, but we know that signs we see clearly are everywhere. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and 5, it kind of describes what is happening in the last days. And listen to this, and you will probably see what I mean. He said, but mark this. There will be the terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And he says, have nothing to do with these such people. We are living in such an age we are living in the last age. We see the rumors, we hear the rumors of war. We see the wars happening around the globe. In terms of the society and global community, in terms of the world affair, in terms of the morality, moral status of our time, we can clearly see we are living in the last days. And we need to be the church that discerns the time. Fourthly, we need to be a church, a gospel-preaching church. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 18 said this, Jesus said to them, Go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to all creations. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison, and you will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. And Mark is describing the mandate, the, the Christ's mandate or great commission that he has given us. And I believe this mandate is not just for our church, but all the churches of, the G of Lord Jesus Christ. 
is not just the mandate for the first century church, but 21st century church as well. And especially as we are waiting for the second coming of the Lord, we need to prepare for the way of the second coming of the Lord. And this mandate is very clear. We need to preach the gospel. And we see nowadays a lot of churches are forsaking its, it, this mandate. They are not preaching the gospel anymore. We're trying to be positive and trying to please people's appetites to listen to what they want to listen so they choose not to talk about gospel. Because my brothers and sisters, we know the gospel is kind of offensive. Because what's the foundation of the gospel message? That we are all sinners, right? We are doomed because of our sin. We're living in a fallen, sinful world. Now, the only Jesus Christ, the only Jesus Christ, our Savior, who can save us from our sin. Because he, he was the sacrifice, uh, he sacrificed his life for us. And whoever believes in Jesus Christ shall not perish, but have his life, eternal life. So gospel begins with the message of righteousness, meaning we need to, we are sinners, we are not righteous, and no one wants to hear that anymore. People, don't, people get offended by the truth. Thus, many churches are forsaking preaching the gospel. And I think it is real alarming, and it is very dangerous. But we want to be the church that preaches the gospel message of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the very reason that church exists. We're not gathered here to just feel good about ourselves, my brothers and sisters. We're not just here to, to tap our shoulders and say, oh, be well, be blessed. That's not what we are here today. We are here to worship God as God's people. And as we are being blessed by God, we are to be a blessing, meaning we are to preach the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world. That's how we share the, the blessings of God to the world. And I will talk more about that at the end when we talk about the implication. But we're not gathered here to just feel good about ourselves, but we are here to expand the God, kingdom of God one heart at a time, starting with our own lives that we can be a blessing. We need to be a gospel-preaching church. Amen? Now, last but not least, as, as we expound on our vision, we need to be a disciple-making church, meaning the church that produces and trains the soldiers of Jesus Christ. I know I'm kind of using the word, a uh, very militant word here, but that's what the Bible actually says, that we are the people of God. We are the soldiers of Jesus Christ who are to expand God's kingdom, not by the sheer physical force, but with the power of the Spirit. If you look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, we know this, right? The Great Commission. For all the believers to come, all the believers Jesus said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Great commission is not just a proclamation of the message of the gospel. That's part of it. No, great commission is very clear. It's not just you go out there and you proclaim. If that's our great commission that God has, Jesus, Jesus has given us, then we have already done that. The gospel message is, about, is being probably preached through, online, through uh, the media, even through the internet, right? 
We can just have a huge speaker out there and just proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. But that is not what it is. The Great Commission is clear that we need to go and what? Make disciples of all nations, meaning all people, all ethnicity. The nation here is the ethnicity, all ethnicity, not just the, the, the political countries here we're talking about. You're talking about all kinds of people. We need to preach the gospel. And we need to make them the disciples, not just preaching the gospel, but we need to make them to follow Jesus. That's what the Bible says. And in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, baptizing them. We need to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit, meaning we need to bring them into the family of Christ. That's what he says. That's the Great Commission. And also he says, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Not just making, sharing the gospel, making, making them to, or helping them to follow Christ, all the people, not only just baptizing them and bring them into the church family. No. After you become a family of Christ, what? Now we need to teach as a church. We, church needs to teach people to obey everything that the Bible says, everything that Jesus said. That is the disciple-making church is all about. Let's examine the churches, our church. Are we teaching? Are we helping each other to obey God's command? It's not going to be easy because even in the name of Christendom or within the Christendom, many people don't want to obey everything that God or Jesus have, has commanded us to do. And that is a big problem. That's a big issue that we are fighting and we see all kinds of different theology, different perspective on interpretation. Now, all the things, they want to try to change what the Bible or what Jesus said in the Bible. Instead of we try to obey what, what Jesus commanded us to do. And I think it's a very important for us to be a disciple-making church that we need to help each other. We need to sharpen one another as we bring people into the family of Christ through baptism, through, you know, uh, evangelism. But now we need to also make the disciples, train people to follow Jesus faithfully until he comes back. We want to be the church that produces no, not mere disciples, but radical disciples such time as this that we will not compromise but we will be faithful until the end amen sounds kind of radical and scary but that's why we are here in this church if you do not understand this vision maybe you are in the wrong place but if you are willing to do this is our vision this is what this is what it means by we want to be a spirit and truth-filled, Christ-centered, apostolic church. So, as you revisit the vision, are you willing to be part of this vision? Are you willing to subscribe, prescribe? Are you willing to follow? That's something that we all need to ask. Because I don't want people to just come without knowing why we're here. Right? And it's a good time for us to be reminded again as we celebrated our anniversary. Let us 
really understand why we are here today as a church, why we're continuing this church, this community. Why are we trying to, to build and love and, and help this community? Let's we need to think about that. Now, if you believe in this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. We are here today because we believe in the Lord, in His Word, in His vision. And I pray that you are here today and you will respond once again. You will commit, recommit again to this vision as a church that we will be faithful until the very end. Amen? Now, what do we do with this vision? Let's kind of focus on that. Knowing whom we are supposed to be and we are striving to be, the, the church that God wants us to be. How, what do we do with this vision that has, God has given us for our community, for our church? First, we need to personalize, personalize it, meaning we need to internalize it, make it yours. I hope it's not just a statement that you read in the website or the posters that we make. No. Is it really your vision? It's not just a vision of Christ or other Christians. It's yours. We need to internalize it. Keep remembering, refocusing on it. Make it yours. Evaluate your life in light of this vision. Am I being a truth-filled, Christ-centered, apostolic person, apostolic person? Am I biblical? Am I missional? These questions we need to ask by internalizing in your life. Not just sounds good, but is it real in your life? Process it in your mind, in your heart. Apply it into your life. Because it's really about life. Living out what we believe, what we have received. That's what vision is. We live out the vision that God, God has given us. Now, let me ask, then we have to ask this question. How can we internalize it? How can you personalize it? Well, first, we need to grow in personal relationship with God. That's the way that we can personalize it, internalize it. As you grow spiritually, you will know God's calling in your life as a part of God's vision. Without knowing Christ personally, how can you live this out? How do you understand that this is relevant to you? This vision is not just given to just Christians and church in general, but to you individually. Meaning you need to have your personal relationship with God. Do not rely on someone else. Do not rely on your church leaders. Do not rely on your spouse's faith. You need to reevaluate your faith and grow in the personal relationship with God. Do you know who Jesus is? Do you have a relationship with him every single day? Do you cry out to him? Do you listen to him? Are you being guided by the Holy Spirit? These things we need to ask. Because once you understand and once you have this, uh, grow, once you grow in the personal relationship with God, I'll tell you, I don't have to say this, but these visions will be your vision because God's heart will be your heart. 
And I pray that you will not be satisfied with your spiritual condition right now. I don't know where you are right now. Many of us are excited maybe. Okay? And I'm not saying we should not be content of what God has given us. Of course not. But in our inner desire to grow, we need to have the desire to grow. Do you want to grow in the Lord? Or are you being so distracted that you have forgotten that you need to grow in the Lord? We need to grow up to be greater men and women of God. Our spiritual growth has not finished yet. We need to continue to grow. That's what living thing does. I told you faith is like a living thing. It can grow. It can diminish. And I see so many Christians who started very passionately their faith fading away over the years. It's very, very sad to see. We need to work hard to grow in the Lord. You need to work on your relationship with Christ. You know, I always tell this to the, you know, pre-marital couples, people who are planning to get married. I always say the same thing is this. You need to work on your relationship because you love each other. Like, you need to put your effort in it. And I always say, first, before you put your effort to love your spouse or your, your partners, you need to learn to work harder in your relationship with Christ. If not, you will not have a successful marriage. I will guarantee it. If you do not have a right relationship with Christ, you cannot have a right relationship with other people, including your spouse. You want to love your spouse, and if you want to enhance your marital relationship, first work on your personal relationship with God. more you love Christ, you learn to love your spouse, your family. If you want to be a greater, effective, powerful, and loving and gentle parents, then you need to learn to love God first. Very simple, isn't it? Because we can't do it alone. We are not capable of loving without the power of Holy Spirit transforming us. You need to work on your, put your effort to love God, to, per, to have a relationship with God, meaning you need to set a time to seek God's Word. You need to set a time to pray. You need to do it, my brothers and sisters. We think it's automatic a lot of times. Relationship is not automatic you need to work on your relationships, especially relationship with God. Amen. The promise of God there, however, is when your attitude, when your heart is steadfast toward him, oh, the Lord will meet you where you are. He will help you. He will bring you. He will bring you to his bosom. He will, you will be under his shadow, under the wing of Christ. My prayer is that all of us will Continue to strive toward the maximum maturity that God has given us, set before us. That's why the Paul said this in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Maybe you can write it down in your notes. He says, praying, Paul was praying for Christians that he says, you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I like the word mature and fully assured. Maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance for, from acts that leads to death 
but of faith in God, he says. You need to grow in your faith. That's how you personalize and internalize it. Secondly, how do we personalize and internalize the vision of God? We need to be faithfully serving the kingdom of God. By you continue to serving the Lord in your life, oh, you will understand, you will internalize the vision. Unless you live and apply into your life, unless you do it in your life, unless you serve the church and serve the people, serve the ministry, serve the kingdom of God, I'll tell you, you will not understand the vision. You cannot internalize it. You can memorize it. We want to be missional. But unless you participate in reaching out, how do you know that's yours? Anyone can recite whatever the statement that we made. It sounds good. But when you actually faithfully serve in the kingdom of God, you will understand, you will personalize the vision. You will internalize it in your life. That is why Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, it says, God is not unjust. He says, he will not forget your work. Wow. The love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. See, Whatever you do in the church in serving the kingdom of God, God remembers. He says, he will not forget your work. You think, oh, cleaning up after the fellowship is really small things to you. Yes, it is a small thing. But when you do it and serve the Lord, in that small things, God remembers. And I remember back in the years, uh, when I was a youth pastor, man, I had to set up the chairs, and we had about 30, 40 students, and I had to, back in the days, and I would try to set up the chairs, do literally everything. No one was helping me, and it was very tough and hard, and I started to complain, man, why am I doing all this little tiny logistics and everything, all that? And this verse was popped in my head. He said, God will not forget your work. Even the small things like setting up the chairs, taking care of the people, saying hi to people, whoever comes into this church, praying for them. He will not forget that. When you participate in what God is doing, that's how you internalize his vision. And Hebrews 6, 11 continues. It says this, We want each one of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. And we do not want you to become lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Paul actually picks up and says in Philippians 2, 14, Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation. You want to personalize this vision that God has given us as a church? Well, then faithfully serve the Lord. Faithfully serve the kingdom. Don't give excuses. Oh, I have things to do. Oh, my life has changed after I got married. Oh, my life has changed after I have a children, more children, more. You need to understand. The kingdom work doesn't stop just because your life is changed. Amen. 
We need to learn to serve the Lord. That's how we personalize the vision. Secondly, what do we do with the vision that we have uh, revisited? We need to protect or protect it. Not just personalize it, but we need to protect it. First of all, don't miss out. Oh, so many people, they miss out of the vision. It's like it's always there, it seems, and if you don't live out, you'll miss out. You can be in the church, but you can miss out the power of God working in and through your life. Oh, it happens all the time. It happens not in the church. It happens in the biblical history, in the Old Testament and New Testament. He missed, if we can, we can be so closer to Christ, yet we missed what he is doing. It can happen. We need to protect it. We need to learn to hope, hold on to it. Let me give you a couple of practical suggestions for you to protect the vision that you have received from the Lord as a church. First, we need to humbly accept the word of God. Accept the word. Holy Spirit says in Hebrews 3, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. When you hear these messages of God, do not reject it. Do not harden your hearts. He says, humbly accept the word. That's the first thing. That's how we protect it. Secondly, second practical suggestion is, not only humbly accept the word, you need to let your body be here physically. Ephesians 4, 3 and 6 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you are called as one hope. We are one, and we need to learn to work together as a church. Let your heart be here. Humbly accept the word. Let's work together for this vision that we have received. We, that's how we protect the vision. Also, how are we protected? We've we got to fight against, fight against a spiritual battle. My brothers and sisters, there is a spiritual battle happening in this world, in your life. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Did you know there is a evil ones out there, demons out there, dark angels out there? Whatever you want to call it, there is out there to get you, to take those blessings away from you, to, to suppress you, to depress you, so that you will be helpless, paralyzed with fear of this world so that you won't be able to follow, live out the vision that God has given you. Wake up, my brothers and sisters. No wonder 1 Peter 5, 8 says, be self-controlled and be alert. The devil, the, your enemy, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It's the matter of life and death. <laughs> Yet we are so spiritually blind, we don't see it. Oh, the enemy's tactic. We can talk about this a little bit later or in the, the other times, but tactics are everywhere. It works through secularism, materialism. It works through ideologies, politics. It works with everywhere.
Attacks from enemy comes from comes to have spiritual pride, human logics, evaluating or defining or interpreting things what happened in our happened in our life with our own logic. That's actually the work of the enemy. Lies, distractions. And I believe the battle is more severe now in our world today. Enemy will try to hinder more and more. More and more, even in our governments, they will start to persecute those who follow the biblical principles. We're living in it. Look at our educational system today, what they're trying to do to our children. Problem is, my brothers and sisters, we need to clearly understand the reality of the spiritual battle and we need to fight. How do we fight? Well, be alert and pray. Do not lose your alertness such a time as this. See God. That's what the Bible says. It says, pray in the Spirit in all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for the saints. Resist him, Peter says, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We need to pray. You know why we need to come to church on Friday? So that we can pray. It's only what, 30-minute prayer? Yes. Or you might say, oh, that's not that much. But at least you're praying for 30 minutes. For those who doesn't come, who don't come, I'll ask you, do you pray? At least, I know that it's going to be very difficult for us to pray in the, in the middle of all our lives, especially taking care of our kids, working, and all that. We're so busy with all our life. That's why we set aside a time, a place, like a church. We gather. Why? So that we can start to pray. Even one or two or five minutes of prayer can change your life. Don't you believe that? Then how much more that we should what? do our best to be here to pray. Do not underestimate five minutes of prayer. Do not underestimate the time that we spend together in the church. That's how we protect it. It's not a waste of time. I told you, I asked my grandmother, who always urged me to go to the prayer meetings, even though I fall asleep within two, three minutes, every time when I was young. And I asked Grandma, please, let me sleep. I'm, I, even though I go to church with you in the morning prayer, I, so early, as soon as I start praying, in 30 seconds, I fall asleep. Don't you think it's kind of foolishness? Like, let me just sleep in my bed comfortably, at least. But my grandmother said, no. It's better for you to fall asleep while trying to pray than being comfortable in your own bed. That prayer time can change your life. That is why I urge you to come. That's why I remember when I was in the youth group, youth pastor, I told the youth members, I said, you know, I know you guys are young. I know it's hard for you to pray. But you come. And most of them, they fall asleep. But I don't care. I don't mind they're falling asleep. Because at least they're trying to pray. And some of you are the product of that discipline. 
We need to learn to protect the vision in the midst of this spiritual warfare. And I tell you, basic stuff will last forever, such as prayer, seeking God's word, being alert. And I tell you, though, many times the battlefield is in our mind, isn't it? That's why we need to guard our mind with the word of God. We need to renew our mind. Yes, our spirit is born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are transforming us, but we still have the body that is not completely transformed yet. We still have the mind that is so impacted by the world and things of the world. And how do we do this? We need to transform our mind. How? Romans chapter 2 says, renewing of your mind. Renew it. That's how we protect it. Last but not least, we need to proclaim the vision that we have received. We share our blessings from God. We don't just stay. We don't just protect it and internalize personalize it, but we need to share it. We need to proclaim it. That's what the kingdom work is all about. As God is blessing us, we become a blessing to the world by proclaiming what we have. Proclaim what? God's, his message. Proclaim and testify that he is real. And if you don't, I'll tell you, if you don't share our blessings from God, how can God continue to bless us? Because at the, at the end, the blessings that is not being shared to the world will be rotten. Oh, did you know if you don't share our blessing with others, those blessings will become spoiled and rotten and eventually destroy us with what? Spiritual pride, self-righteousness, selfishness, self-satisfaction. It happens all the time in the Christendom, in the church, amongst Christians. Because we choose not to share what we have received. We choose not to proclaim the vision that God has given us. And we feel good and we feel so special. Oh, we are God's people. We understand the purpose. We understand. We need to protect it. Oh, we are special people of God. Well, you need to proclaim it. You need to bring more people. See, that's why I remember. My parents used to tell me this as I was entering into a ministry. He said, we must not be the storage of God's blessing, but the channel of God's blessing. As God blesses us, we become a blessing. The vision that we have, you have, we have given as a church, we personalize it. You live out, right? As you protect it within you and you proclaim it. Oh, then you will come alive in a real sense, in the real world. You will understand and experience the power of Christ. If you remember the very first church, they fell into this trap too, remember? After the great revival, Peter spoke. 3,000 converts at one time, many more every day came to know Christ. And they had a home, you know, the home house churches, and everybody was spread out. And they were, every day they were gathering, studying the Bible. They were praying together. They were doing communion together, having fellowship, and they're growing. And you know what? It kind of maxed out in the Jerusalem. But they were all staying together. All the people were sharing their wealth. The rich Christians were helping the poor Christians. And they were just having a great, amazing time as a church. 
That was the first century. But they continued to decide to stay there. But the God's vision was to what? To bring out the message, to, to share and pro to proclaim. But they wanted to stay, enjoy God's blessing amongst them. And you know what happened. Under the sovereign plan of God, after the martyrdom of Stephen, the persecution came. And all the people scattered. And the churches were scattered to the world. And the more people were exposed to the truth as they proclaim planting the church, growing the church. And we have seven churches in Asia Minor. That was happening. Even the persecution God was using, why God loved the world, the people. That God want God's people to share the message, to proclaim the message. What about us? I know we have this small community of believers, and I love you, and we love each other, and we are, we, we like each other, and we, we, we love to just bless each one another. I know. But if you stop there, we're not doing what God has called us to do. We need to learn to reach out to the people around us. Yeah, it's going to be tough and hard. You'll be rejected. You'll be hurt, possibly, emotionally. But we do it by faith because God is with us. And do not underestimate your sharing. Even though you might be rejected once, but you continue to reach out and to the people who are in need of the truth of Jesus Christ, and you do that, and one day, who knows, the power of God will be upon them. That's how we grow, one heart at a time. So not only we personalize the vision as a church, not only we protect the vision that God has given us, but we need to also proclaim it. Amen? That's what it is. That's what it means to be the church that God wants us to be. My prayer is that we will take these words into our hearts and may the Lord our God powerfully work in your heart right now that we will commit ourselves once again to the vision that God has given us as a church. And that is why we are here today. That is why we are doing what we are doing in this church today. It may the Lord speak to you ever so powerfully and transform us with his power. Let's pray.